0: Hi, it's Alex here. Just before we start, I'd like to draw your attention to Future of Film Report 2021, which is now out. This is your guide to navigating the future of film and entertainment in 2021, containing best practice examples, resources and recommendations. It's produced in collaboration with the University of Nottingham and King's College London, with contributions from over 24 industry leaders like Jason Blum, F. E. T. Brown, Alex McDowell and Diana Williams. If you want to access the Future of Film report, you can do so now at the home of Future of Film, which is futureoffilm.live. So discover the future of film and entertainment with Future of Film's 2021 report, available to download now at futureoffilm.live. Hello, welcome to Future of Film podcast. My name is Alex Stoltz and this is a show where we share insights and strategies from the pioneers, trailblazers and disruptors who are shaping the future of film. This week I'm delighted to welcome Jack Attridge to the show. Jack is creative director and co-founder of Flavorworks, the London-based digital entertainment studio. Originally trained in filmmaking, Jack pivoted into gaming, working at studios like EA, Rebellion, Mind Candy, and 22Cans. And in 2015, he co-founded FlavorWorks to realize a new form of interactive storytelling. This resulted in the acclaimed game-film hybrid, or filmed game, if you like, Erica which fuses live action storytelling with interactivity via an innovative new control system developed by Flavorworks called Touch Video. In this conversation, we explore the new medium that Jack and Flavorworks are pioneering at this intersection of film and games. Jack does an amazing job in deconstructing these two forms and sharing his vision for this new kind of story experience that they are driving forward one that combines the aesthetics and sensibility of filmmaking with a new kind of intimate tactile interactivity if you're enjoying the show i just want to find out more there are a few ways to stay in touch. Firstly, you can subscribe for updates at the home of Future of Film. That's futureoffilm.live. Here you can check out all five seasons of the podcast and dig into other free resources like the Future of Film report, the Future of Film blog, and also check out the Future of Film summit. So that's futureoffilm.live. And why not just also hit subscribe on your podcast player of choice to ensure you don't miss another episode of the show we have some amazing guests coming up in season five so be sure to hit subscribe and check out futureoffilm.live so that just leaves me to say thank you for listening and now please enjoy this conversation with jack atridge so jack welcome to the show thanks for having me thanks so much for taking the time i'm really looking forward to having this chance to to talk about well we'll come on to what we call it i guess the film film games games films this this hybrid this fusion this new medium um which which you're really pioneering um and that's exciting Mm. um but i i wanted to i wanted to start by asking you, for those who listening who don't know the games world so mm-hmm. well, can you describe or can you explain who Peter Molyneux is and your relationship with Peter?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, it's going back a little bit now, but Peter Molyneux uh, is basically he has the same BAFTA Fellowship Lifetime Achievement Award as Alfred Hitchcock and Charlie Chaplin. Uh, that's who he is to the gaming world. Um, with um, particularly, I think, in the 90s and the early noughties, he produced a lot of uh, great work. And he was one of those few people who came into this, I guess, nerdish industry with quite a lot of charisma, you know, in a very Spielberg-y way. You know, people know Spielberg from his mannerisms and just his excitement. And that's that was very much Peter. And it's quite an infectious energy. And it's created a lot of very talented people just in terms of He's he. Uh, companies like Media Molecule, which is kind of like the games industry version of Pixar, basically exists because he found those individuals who would then go on to start that. So he was great finding t- and nurturing talent, and was a curator of of a lot of other creators. Um, so I ended up working with him uh, at its kind of. Uh, I I think he had a couple of studios, big studios, one he sold to EA, one he sold to Microsoft and then started an indie studio, which is where I worked um, for a few years at the beginning of the last decade. Um, And after a few years under his wing, learning quite a lot from someone who's been in the industry for 30 years in stuff that you wouldn't get in, you know, a a game degree, for instance, you know, Uh, I felt like it was time to steer my own path, which is why I started FlavorWorks.
0: Yeah um and, and so you just just came to that point where you you, you wanted to do that and charter more entrepreneurial course did you have a sort of clear idea of what you wanted to do when you when you left um Peter's wing
1: well my background was a bit in filmmaking i did a Film degree, and uh, I, I wanted to always go into video games. But I saw that games were kind of really going in that uh, cinematic direction. Uh, I think the year I went to university, Call of Duty four had come out, which was the one that really cemented it in in uh, cultural zeitgeist and was, you know, uh, just lifting from all of these massive Michael Bay movie moments. And uh, and then games like that, like Bioshock, would follow suit as well, which you know was a really exciting narrative uh, experience. Uh, so I felt because i had already been t- uh, tinkering around a filmmaking that that might be a nice way to go in because there was also this sort of wisdom that by the time you'd graduated from a games degree everything you learned was out of date because the technology is moving so fast and we're really in that sort of golden era of of innovation you know people always say we're in like the 20s or the 30s or just hitting the talkies in terms of, of film's uh, legacy mm-hmm. um, so that's really exciting so it felt like And also, I think it was the case that all the people that were really pushing in the industry forward were too young to retire and become academics and lecturers. So it made more sense to learn more about filmmaking and try and apply it to the games industry. Uh, I fell in love with sound design. I went into games industry, into games as a sound designer. And then when I started working for Peter, that was my first gig as a game designer. So then knowing I had filmmaking and uh, game design under my uh, belt, kind those two things together sort of informed the, the the idea for flavorworks and the touch video technology uh but i think it was always fueled really by that um that feeling that games and interactivity can bring so much to storytelling but always this feeling that even by their name being games is that they they can seem a little juvenile and even though they're uh, crushing it, and they're a big industry than film and music combined at this point. That they still weren't treated as um, uh, respectfully as a mature medium. And so there was all, and I think a lot of gamers are always gravitating towards the more grandiose, uh, art housey games because we want to, we want to validate what it is we're passionate about. Uh, but then when I try to get people like my mum or my dad or my sister to play some of these narrative games, there was a few things that really didn't click for them. Uh, One of those was just the fact that we've been designing games for other people that already play games for a while. So it becomes a hard club to get into. Uh, And we often will use like a layer of abstraction uh, over our games for people to, to kind of play. So it means getting understanding certain codes and conventions that aren't as intuitive as just watching a, the silver screen and starting to to, to pick up on, on that instinctive storytelling visually. Um, <clears throat> but then, of course, on top of that, as they started to tell more stories, they still weren't able to replicate the nuance of a human face. And uh, whilst games had tried to introduce like what they would call FMV or full motion video, which is a term I hate for multiple reasons. Uh, and one is is quite archaic uh it, it was there was always this issue that in order to use video or live action or cinema you had to compromise on how interactive the experience could be which meant that you had something that was too clunky for uh someone who's used to that passive entertainment but not involving a meaningful meaningful enough for someone who loves interactivity uh, and i had a couple of ideas in my head of how we kind of make those things merge in a way that very much wore cinema on its sleeve in terms of we're not just shooting any old video but we are shooting things that look and feel and and, and flow like the a cinematic, uh, classical Hollywood film structure. So a big part of that is taking something so many people are familiar with and have access to and then gently introducing this interactive ingredient in there that uh, isn't a gimmick uh, and really add something new that you can't get from just sight and sound. Um, but also uh, still is still something that could be embraced by the established gamer that has a PlayStation at home. Uh, so there's a few different ingredients there. Uh, and it's interesting because it, it started to kind of make me really think about all the things we take for granted with traditional game design, which is Really at this point, a lot of exploration of 2D and 3D spaces. And uh what that ultimately ends up uh coming to with a lot of these games is is running and jumping and shooting, these external conflicts, you know, where you're you've got this really kinesthetic tactile control. Uh but when we tell stories, it's you know, like the whole Robert McKee thing was like, Oh, these are just uh these are just um, you know, it's just spectacle. It's not we're not learning anything about these characters or the world. Uh so this us an opportunity for us to say, okay, well, we don't need to worry about um, the challenge of walking around and opening a door, which for a lot of people is second nature and you don't think about it. Instead, we can think about uh, uh, the internal conflicts and, and the really subtle tactile choices. And a big part of that is that games by their nature are built out of mechanics and systems and they're expensive and time consuming to make. Uh, and so what you typically do it's really interesting actually the way movies or stories are pitched up purely on stories games for most of their life have been about going to a publisher and pitching them on like five USPs or unique selling points. Like in our game, you can do this really cool shooting mechanic or this really cool climbing mechanic, you know, and that's it, such a funny thing. It's, it's a very different language. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we, we definitely embrace that. But, uh, at the end of the day, we, we, uh, wanted to, you know, uh, I think we we like this idea that rather than creating something that only works once, that instead we can create like a toolkit or an established language, codes and conventions that could be used for many, many stories, for many, many storytellers. And so when we were starting, that meant not just uh, developing a product, which for our, our first game was Erica, but also this technology platform, which is Touch Video, which is kind of like our answer or our version of what a filmmaker would use, such as... Adobe Premiere or Final Cut or Avid, you know, or a sound designer would use Pro Tools. Um, for us, uh, Touch Video is like um, it's like a, a, an editor for interactive film storytelling.
0: So one of the things you, you, you talked about, I mean, we'll come on to Erica, and we will talk I'll, I've got so many questions about that and how mm. you produce that, mm. um, and and you know the, how audiences have responded. But one of the things you, you mentioned. Was the sort of the the forms and uh, I think conventions around games, which which people can take for granted, but it's it's not as easy as as just sitting back and watching. What are what were some of those? Do you mean just like literally how to use a controller? Is that what you were? Well, that's what, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, one of those things is. You know, uh, if I, I mean, I've got a PlayStation controller right here. Uh, There is eight, no, 10 buttons on, 12 buttons on the front, another four on the shoulders, which you can't actually see when you're in the position where you're playing. So, uh, and they all have different symbols and names and letters. And I know that like the back of my hand, but if I try and give that to one of my family members uh, and then get them to play uh, some of these uh, other narrative games, um, you know, it's like learning to walk. Um, and we want to get rid of that as much as possible. Uh, and the, the issue as well is if you watch a show on TV from week to week, they give you like a previously on this show and you get straight back into it. Mm-hmm. With this, if you go a couple of days, you, forgot, you forget those buttons uh, and you're back to where you started. But the way games design is built is, is to actually raise that challenge as the game progresses uh, to keep up with the sort of skills and abilities you've learned. So if you come back to it and you're kind of starting fresh again, suddenly it's even harder to get back into it than you were before. Uh, and you don't really want to go backwards either. Um, I think also another convention, for example, is, you know, we we build a lot of our threat or or uh, um, stakes in games through losing through game overs Mm -hmm. uh what it often means is you fail and then you go back a few minutes and and play again and it's kind of a hangover from the arcade era where you the reason you had game overs was because it made you put another quarter in a slot uh and so the game made more money the more you failed uh and and the the joy came from from uh surmounting that challenge Uh, um we don't do that now We, we charge up front or it's a free game or a subscription um so now those game overs are just kind of revealing to you the artifice of um <clears throat> so you know how do you build uh, per- uh stakes and and peril into something where you don't make the player have to go back and relive the same experience again and with you know diminished uh, returns each time um so it, there's a big long list of 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 those kind of examples i mm. think um yeah and so you
0: you 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 wanting to I guess, realising that there's a... Well, your, your hypothesis, I suppose, is there's an audience out there who wants to experience cinematic-type stories with interactivity, uh, and a lot of that audience doesn't want to have... to it may not know how to use these controls or these conventions. Um, yeah. And, and maybe also, was it also partly that... Was when you got a game controller in your hand. Maybe we're jumping in too deep at the moment, but you got a game controller in your hand, it puts you in a certain frame of mind, right? Mm-hmm. Of a, yeah, it's very lean forward. Um, and yeah, yeah. Is, is how would, would you describe Erica as lean forward or lean back? Or do you have thoughts about it?
1: In yeah, those I mean, I, terms. I mean, we talk to a lot of um, film studios and TV studios, and 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 you you start to uh, coin a few phrases, and one of those things is you know, I, I think someone else probably came up with it, but the idea that games are a lean forward experience and films are a lean back experience. <clears throat> and actually the funny thing of this is um, when we talk to studios about, I guess, how much interactivity there is, um, there's kind of an interesting misconception in, in my opinion, where like, you know, there's a the games where you are moving the stick every fraction of a second that you're constantly uh, have this sort of um, cycle of of inputting and, and things change, and then you re-input. And then you get um, some other kind of, I guess, interactive movies or f and games where you watch a movie for five minutes, and then you have this one button press, and then you watch a movie for five minutes. And what we're doing is something in between that, where you're not interacting every five minutes, you're interacting every 15 seconds, but you're not interacting every microsecond. Uh, and the reason for that is because actually interacting every 15 seconds is less uh, it's easier than interacting every five minutes because I'm keeping you in a rhythm. I'm keeping you in, in somewhere in between lean forward and lean back, uh, where you don't have a chance to check your phone or have a sip of Prosecco. And then after a while, you, you because what happens is you forget that you're playing a game or playing something interactive. And then when you get asked to make a choice again, it's like, I've just gotten into the, the mode of watching a Netflix show, the last thing I want to do now is interact. Uh, you know, there are those times where you just want to sit back and not interact. But if you can make it effortless and rhythmic and consistent, then it bec- it doesn't feel like an effort, and it becomes like an unconscious thing that you're doing. You know, in the same way that when you're just scrolling through through your social media feed or something like that, it's quite effortless. You know, um, and so for so for us, it's it's very much been that balance. So, if you are holding a controller in your hand, uh, that is definitely one. That's a different experience versus holding a phone. Um, And actually, interestingly, uh, the whole fifteen-second kind of rule for our interactivity uh, was always sort of felt from the beginning, and it did seem to make the big difference of what we were doing versus what FMV had traditionally done, where it didn't feel like it was serving either audience. But then, when you get that, when you when you play it on a phone um it's just a whole other thing and and we always pitched pitch thing for the phones first um that time is is just it, it feels like twice as long because it's something about engaging with something on your phone is way more personal than engaging with your television uh it's a completely different position it's more curled up than it is sat back um and actually i mean that the phone kind of was always the inspiration for us and the technology we've built called touch video um because it's the idea that rather than you controlling someone's legs and how much they jump and die through windows and stuff, uh, you're controlling what's at their fingertips. Uh, uh, for me, that the, the beauty of that was being able to wipe a tear from somebody's cheek in a game or wipe condensation off of a window and peer through to the other side to spy on a conversation and uh, that those tactile things are things that games t- didn't typically do because that basically focused on a, on, um, a scope of the environment that was really seeing all the marks and chips in the wood of a table. But uh, you know, with games, the camera's usually a lot wider. You're usually seeing kind of three quarters of a character. Um, so uh, that was interesting because it also just opened us up to different types or a different focus on interactivity within, a, within an environment and with other characters. Uh, and when I ended up going to see a show by an immersive theater company called Punch Drunk and the show was called The Drowned Man, sort of changed my life and actually got me to start Flavorworks because it just occurred to me how my relationship with the environment was so different um, when it was about my fingertips. Um, and I still remember back to, uh, I watch it all the time, like the keynote opening video from Steve Jobs of the original iPhone and how you can hear the audience gasp as he swipes to unlock the phone or scrolls through his music. Uh, and for me, that's still phenomenal and, and one of the most interesting interfaces there is. And when we started Flavorworks, we were looking at VR and AR, all these emerging ideas, and it still became, it became an issue of, um, is that stuff ready? Uh, how many years is it going to take to work out the kinks? Um, is it going to cost you $1,500 to be able to play it? Uh, and just the fact that everyone's got a phone in their pocket already, um, You know, we wanted to... Say to some, we wanted to be like a gateway drug to other games by saying, "Okay, well, your family member who's a gamer will recommend this game to you, but also, uh, if you just play Candy Crush and you're used to just doing a swipe to act, seeing the candies drop and react, that that's a level of engagement that's actually less taxing than having to lean forward every five minutes to press a button to make a film do kind of like a token branch of the story."
0: Yeah, and when you and when you just to clarify, when you say people can swipe what you' what um, uh, what you mean is that they're not playing the game on their phone they're using their phone as a controller to interact with the TV that's how I played Erica anyway when I
1: so this this is it. the interesting thing when we started uh, we had a prototype uh Pavley, my co-founder uh, and I we shot it in a day with a few favors from from friends from my sort of filmmaking circles from uni and whatnot. And um, uh, it was very intense, uh, 37 hours making making that and, and driving all up and down London and things. Uh, and it was an iPhone, an iPad demo. And that's actually what we took to Sony uh, when they heard about this and asked to see it. And what we took to investors uh, who were Pete Mullen, uni and Livingstone, uh, we can talk about later. But uh, that's how it started. And then PlayStation challenged us to bring this to the living room, to the TV. Uh, and whilst the playstation does have a little touchpad that's kind of like a touchscreen uh, it's not the same so we uh, asked them if we could use people's phone as a input device for the for the TV uh but then we've also just uh, last month brought Erica to iPhone and iPad uh, and and f- that was the original inception of which we built it where your finger is touching the world directly so when you are you know, wiping the tear from someone's face, that tear disappears underneath your finger, or if you're brushing the hair from their face, uh, it's with your finger. And that sort of one-to-one connectivity for us was always the thing that took the air from the room when we would show it to people in the early days. Uh, So it's now really exciting to start to push touch video out to these other platforms.
0: Right, yeah, I I can really, Feel that, <laughs> um, because yeah, I, I think it was really innovative, having the phone controller playing uh, the console, and it just opens it up and it makes it feel yeah something in between that game and and film space and and very intuitive, but yeah, that sounds amazing to the to actually. Touch the characters or touch the the scenery. Um, like I think. Described.
1: I think that's. um And if I haven't mentioned it, and it's confusing to anyone who's just listening, you know, mm. I think the difference between what we're doing and um, traditional interactive branching movies is that whilst our story does branch in different directions based on the choices you make, for us, the thing we were bringing to this was rather than getting you to interact with buttons on a screen, we want you to interact with the world itself. Um, and the whole idea behind that is rather than us teaching you this interface, uh, we are just saying to you, well, if you know how your phone works and you know how the real world works, you should be able to intuitively use this. So the game starts with a Zippo lighter. Uh, we actually had to get permission from Zippo, interestingly, and that was fun. We've got mm-hmm. the official Zippo authorized sound for the Zippo lighter. Um you know we don't tell you what to do there's just a zippo lighter on screen but if you know how hinges work which you do uh, and you just drag that zippo lid open uh it just makes sense we haven't had to teach you rules you know which is the whole thing of games it's like here's the ground rules but we don't need to do that um and then when people will ignite the zippo lighter and the flame goes up it's like discovering for some people it's like wow cool uh this clicks this makes sense this is not getting in the way of my story of the story you know um at least that's the ambition as you know as we as we make uh, more stories of this technology um so that's what was exciting to us is not having to school you on games because if you know people don't really think about their phones really as a technology anymore you know it's just like an extension of themselves Mm -hmm. and then we're going to put the world on your phone the way that you see the world in life
0: You're listening to the Future of Film podcast with me, Alex Stoltz, and I'm in conversation with interactive filmmaking pioneer Jack Attridge. If you want to find out more about Future of Film, you can check out all of our activity at futureoffilm.live. In this section, we dig into the structures and logistics of creating Erica and this kind of new work but Jack is pioneering. And I start by asking a very practical question. Were they able to claim a UK tax credit for the project?
1: Turns out the BFI uh, Hmm. deals with tax credits for both the film and games industry. Yes. So it was kind of like, and they're the same. So it was very much like pick, pick or choose. Um, So it didn't end up, it wasn't like we were going to double dip or anything like that. And, You know, sometimes and even now we're starting to say to ourselves as we, uh, you know, bring a more talent on board from both the film and games industry. It's like, what are we? What is our culture? I think it's inherently more video gamey, but we're having more and more discussions with the film world and trying to be sensitive to the things that they care about. Uh, and, uh, you know, the way that they budget entertainment. And uh, it's very interesting uh, trying to figure out that. Their minefield, because you know we, the bigger these studios are, uh, whether they're a TV studio or a film studio, uh, yeah, it's not the same as just being able to. I think I think some of the success of us being able to get this off the ground was a lack of that that um corporate hierarchy, I suppose. It was just Pavle and I in this bedroom sleeping on sofas and floors, uh, just making something without kind of having to go through having to figure out, you know, who owns this, what department owns this. Um you know do we test audiences or any of that stuff which i think um when you're dealing with multi-million dollar projects um makes a lot of sense to uh, have that kind of insurance but Mm. uh,
0: Uh, and and i guess multiple finances it must be for 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 filmmakers listening you know having having just a single source of finance which sounds like you, you did for this project then mm. that's that obviously makes things a lot
1: easier. i mean the, i guess the crazy thing when i've talked to filmmakers is they'll shop a script around for a decade uh with this you know we sold like you know we sold this on a five minute mood piece you know I was, like, I was like the things i'm going and this just tends to be the way i create anyway. i find is you know i'm after a feeling or a mood or a style or and a lot of the time with this because we're conscious that we're showcasing the technology I'm thinking, you know, I want to, uh, I want to use a Zippo lighter to go back to Erica. You know, like, why are we using a Zippo lighter? Who's using the Zippo lighter? We'll figure that out. But I just know that that's, that's a moment I want to reveal. Is, um, it's almost like a kind of Kubricky approach where it seems that he was more interested in uh, his non-submersible units to prop up his cinematic uh, showcase. And the story would then kind of figure out how to tie it all together um so it's funny that yeah we weren't going in we we did have a you know like a log line but we weren't going in there and being like okay, these order twists and turns and you know because i games have always traditionally tr- found that out as they go ahead and that's changing and i think in a good way but um that was the pool we were swimming in in the mm-hmm. games industry i think it's a lot more It's a it's a less of a risk averse industry in that you know it's driven by innovation in a way that maybe filmmaking is a little bit you know more about safe bets because they're big gambles and and they're less guaranteed to break even whereas games can explode you know
0: Mm. yeah well yes it's yeah it's great to talk about these differences I mean you know in terms of the uh, in in terms of the the money flow for Erica, how does, how does that work? How, what does it look like for, for that? Is it, is it, yeah. Who, who published it by the way? Is it, did you, did you so Sony, 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 Sony published it on a yeah.
1: PlayStation? Yeah. And then we published it uh, via license on iOS. Uh, hmm. You know, we had to figure out this entire workflow and pipeline from writing and story uh, design to, uh, the technology, uh, prototyping, R&D, all of that going through to then the pre-production of a film, yet leading it from the game dev side, which I think was really mostly possible because I had one foot in either industry. So it wasn't like, you know, we spent a lot of time uh, having the filmmakers marinate in the kind of interactive secret source, as it were, and, and thinking, you know, we're not just making a. And this is the difference we've seen between us and a lot of these kind of FMV games is, is, it's not like a movie that's just been shot and then someone's cut it up and put some token choices on screen. Everything is very much driven from the game side because the film is essentially just a smaller part of a bigger whole in that, you know, once you've gone from making something interactive, even in sound design or or game design or whatever, going back to linearity, it's just like, wow, this is easy.
0: <laughs> you had your traditional as a you know, film traditional kind of heads of departments would mm-hmm. you say so? he who, who was the director of erica
1: <clears throat> yeah so I, I guess that's what i meant by the whole um the film getting absorbed into the mothership which was flavorworks in the yeah. in the case because yeah. uh i might have ten- went on tangent from earlier but this idea that uh in the past game designers have wanted to write and direct the thing rather than you know kind of bring on those expertise i was able to you know sort of um basically hired the heads of departments that we would need for director photography or set design, costume. And I would kind of base a lot of that, not just on how great their reel was, but if I based on a conversation with them, it's true for casting as well. It's like, you know, can I, how much can I speak about Ludo narrative to to these folks and get them to be malleable? Because if you've got an industry that's worked one way for a hundred years, you know, like it's gonna be strange to then get them to really change up a lot of that process. And that also included hierarchy, where my role was a bit more like directing the director rather than directing the shoot. Uh, and that was very much uh, a very really strong collaboration with someone who, who, when he talked, when he was filmmaking, you know, would, would be very uh, sort of flexible between referencing a, a game to referencing a film for like a lighting style or, or a visual effects reference you know um so that was really important handy that uh, and uh, that's that's an interesting thing going forward actually is that as we want to work with other storytellers we're like how can we kind of um pass on this kind of unique knowledge we have that uh is very specific about what it means to be a player as opposed to a viewer and knowing that they are different things and they will absorb things in different ways. Um, And therefore, all these fantastic lessons, you know, about filmmaking might not be relevant. And we have to catch those and say, I love what you've done there, but because it's a game, I need you to do it this way. Uh, Not trying to step on your your artistic choice. Just the fact that this is, you know, a sculpture, not a painting. Um, And um, we found the kind of people with the right attitude for that. Hmm. And so going forward, as as we want to bring more people into the fold, we've started to develop like a kind of gold standard Bible internally of like everything we've learned and everything we've theorized before Erica, through Erica and after Erica, uh, about what changes in filmmaking, uh, not just technically, but artistically when you go from trying to engage a viewer to engaging a player, uh, also being aware that there are going to be people in the room watching as viewers who want to enjoy it as a piece of passive entertainment, with the option to lean over and shout at you for making the wrong choice, uh, you know. So, so there's a lot of backseat gamer kind of think around it as well. And so, as we do that, as we kind of build that sort of um, bible, as we're kind of calling it, uh, that will allow us to to bring on, yeah, like uh, really talented uh, filmmakers and storytellers, uh, and just help that. Language barrier to disappear.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or uh, creating a new language, I suppose you could you could call it. T- tell me, firstly, I'm, Jack, I'll put you, put you on the spot. What, what 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 do you what are you calling this uh, this thing? Yeah. <laughs> put a, can you can you put a name on it? Because it would really help me out. Because <laughs> we're always I, trying to figure it out about future of film.
1: You can imagine I'm five six years into this at this point and. I've never found something i'm happy with it's it's uh i don't like to call them interactive films or interactive movies because that makes it like a gimmicky subsidiary of an existing medium i always see it as like the ipad sitting between the phone and the laptop the phone being games and the laptop being movies and the ipad being its own thing but when it came out everyone was like that's oh, a giant swiss army knife uh but now it's it's here to stay um so I know Austin Wintry, our composer, and Erica. He, he said in an interview once, "It's not an interactive film; it's a filmed game," uh, and I love that because I think about it like it's being informed with all the latest contemporary game design knowledge, philosophies, practices, uh, and it's very much a game dev environment where there's a lot of R and D and innovation. Um, but uh, there's already, you know, we're already kind of fighting against that preconception people have about this toys industry, which is video games and how that's not for them. And we're trying to say, no, it is for you. Look, it looks like what you're familiar with. And when you reach out and touch it, you'll feel right at home. Um, so, so far we've just been calling them filmed games, um, or filmic games. And and then our technology, which is called touch video, we start to say, well, do we call them touch videos? But that's a little self-absorbed, I guess. Uh, but we, the whole gist is you touch video and it doesn't even pertain to just Film, cinematic storytelling you can use that technology for leisure apps or for advertisements you know it's very malleable it's just that we are attracted to cinematic films and and uh and that's kind of the approach we've used to realize the technology yeah so
0: you so what's your what's your plan now, you're, you know, what are you working on? Mm. Is it, you've got touch video, which is, uh, is that available now for people to access?
1: Touch video is that, still yeah. our internal tool. Um, mm. And we we have started exploring collaborations with, or co-pros with, you know, uh, film studios or, or talking to other game devs. And it's gonna start kind of opening up that technology to them. Uh, and then once it's a little bit more robust, um kind of probably uh, we'll figure out our strategy for whether we we just release it to everybody or, or whether it's you know we, we're i think we're we're currently mostly focused on just trying to uh develop or or um or produce examples of touch video storytelling um that prove that it deserves to exist that was always the thing we even started by the way as a game studio we were like the world doesn't need another first-person shooter. Why do we deserve to exist? And for us, we were like, this is the thing we felt people weren't cracking. We had strong ideas of how to crack it. So, right now, as we've grown as a studio, you know, we're developing multiple things—some with uh, TV studios, uh, some internal, and across a myriad of genres. So, Erica was very much like a, uh, you know, a kind of very uh, conventional thriller. Um, now we're, we're, you know, exploring. We're trying to say that it, 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 yeah, it can work in horror, it can work in romance, it can work in crime, uh, investigation, um, and some other interesting stuff. I'd love to talk about them, uh, mm-hmm. and really just getting them right. I think I think we really want that nice suite of things to showcase it. But we never want to forget what we were trying to do, and a part of that is kind of trying to avoid. Uh, regressing back to the kind of nineties FMV flavor of this mm.
0: is, is uh, your variety of works. Is that it, are they all branching narrative style or
1: are there other so ways to use it? Mm, so Yeah. So that's where um, it's funny because branching narrative has been around for a long time. And uh, what we do branching narrative, we've got certain approaches to that that we feel, uh, are quite considered and, and interesting, and and that we're happy with some of the stuff we're doing, but it's it doesn't have to be the be one end all of what interactive storytelling means. It's so interesting that is the most understandable, digestible version of what interactive storytelling is. Is you change the story, but I'm more interested in how interactivity can get you to feel something. Uh, you know, if you if you are controlling the life of a character, uh, their journey might not need to be changed and steered, but it's an opportunity for you to empathize with them closer. I'm less interested in saying, okay, this conversation can go 500 ways than I am in saying, okay, I'm going to put you in the shoes of that that person having that conversation so you can feel the guilt or shame or pride firsthand, this active emotion, um, not by having different permutations of reality, but just from being in that hot seat. Uh, So, you know, Florence is on iOS very much kind of felt like it was along the lines of the stuff we weren't we were looking to do which is you know 20 minute narrative you can't bend it at all um but those interactions are just about being is about you being an extension of their fingertips or vice versa uh and that excites me but having said that we are also exploring really um you know dramatically branching stories that when you have your when you're trying to explain what this is to someone who's a bit has a neophobia about technology and interactivity that we can say, yeah, it's a branching story. It's that movie Sliding Doors you've seen, you know, um, those kind of um, comfort zones, I guess, or those more uh, points of um, familiarity to things that have existed in the past. But um, we're just obsessed with um, offering more and and to never stop innovating and to find the sweet spot between all of these tools and all of these methods to uh, make something that has a longevity, one of my I guess biggest fears when I see a lot of kind of interactive live action or F stuff is just feeling like if this becomes someone's idea of what this can be, then we're not going to get past that bad image it had in the 90s. And now I think we're still struggling to get past. Uh, I, I you know we really want to prove that this has a you know a meaningful place amongst uh, the future of storytelling.
0: So that was my conversation with Jack Attridge of Flavorworks. And you can now play Erica for free on iPhone and iPad. Just search Erica Interactive Thriller on the App Store. And that's Erica with a C. And check it out, I highly recommend it. You can also find out more about Flavorworks at Flavorworks on Twitter and Instagram and that's Instagram, and that's Flavor with a U. And as always, there is more about all of our guests at the home of Future of Film. That's futureoffilm.live. So that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for joining us, and I hope you found it interesting and helpful, and I look forward to seeing you back on the podcast very soon.